The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing where this week, as every week, we're striving to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own successful real estate investing business. And ladies and gentlemen, having just this morning at 6 a.m. returned from a trip to South America, I I hope that when you go to bed tonight and you're on your knees saying your thanks that you are thankful for the fact that we have a system in this country with rule of law and public information that makes buying and selling real estate and having having a business a lot easier than it is in a lot of places in the world. I mean, it isn't perfect. There's still way too much regulatory stuff in the way of folks in the U.S. Um, controlling their private properties in the way in which they would like or starting businesses, but it ain't nothing compared to places like Chile and Argentina where it's, it's you know, 5% of the population controls like 95% of the land there. It's crazy. We talk about how we talk about uh, in, income inequality here, but the difference is down there, there is no moving. There's no like getting from that 95% into the 5% or getting from the 5% into the 95% either because it like you just uh, aren't allowed to fail that way, I guess. I don't know. It's a really interesting experience to look at vacant, ugly houses in Santiago and ask about buying them and having people say, oh, no, no, that family's had that property for 200 years and they can afford to keep holding on to it even though it's hideous and falling apart and not doing anything for anyone. So yeah, whatever the faults of the U.S. might be, having having open information and the ability to start and run businesses, own private property, et cetera, is a huge advantage that I hope you guys realize you have. The Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati meets tomorrow evening at its new location in Blue Ash. You can get more information about the meeting at CincinnatiRIA.com. The 6.30 meeting is an introduction to asset protection, sort of trying to untangle all the different things you've heard about LLCs and corporations and S-Corps and C-Corps and limited partnerships and all those sorts of things with attorney James Flax. The main meeting is a panel discussion on creative buying strategies where real-life real estate investors from Cincinnati Rear are going to be discussing different ways that they have bought properties. Uh, no qualifying, low money down, all of that sort of good stuff. 
Again, more information about the nonprofit Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. If you're not in the Cincinnati area and you're going to have to miss that great creative finance meeting, uh, just make sure that you you keep, you keep your, your, your radio tuned right to the style because today I am talking to one of my creative finance heroes, Larry Harbolt, who is a real estate investor and teacher from the Clearwater, Florida area. Uh, he bought his first investment property way back in 1984 and developed a system uh, over time that he now can buy 10 houses a week if he wants to. And a lot of it has to do with the same sort of creative creative buying, creative, creative finance, creative negotiation that uh, many of us want to know a whole lot more about because it allows us to collect more properties while bypassing that whole thing about what does the bank want? I don't care what the bank wants. I want to do a deal where it's me and another human being and we can decide between us what we want. And that's what Larry is, Larry's area of expertise is. He's joining us by phone from his home in Clearwater. Larry, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And I should mention before I forget it that you just signed on as one of the one of the featured speakers at the 2016 OREA National New Strategy Summit here in Cincinnati in November. And folks will have the opportunity to come and meet you and listen to, you know, your whole your whole 90 minute long kind of more more <laughs> soup to nuts presentation. And uh, they're going to hear more about that here on the on the show over the next few months, because we've got a deal for real life real estate listeners to attend that for under 200 bucks for all four days. So it's going to be very cool. And we're glad to have you on board. Um, <clears throat> Larry, when, when somebody has sort of the length and depth of experience that you have, I never quite know how to spend the 45 minutes we have together, right? I mean, there's like a zillion things we could, <laughs> we could talk about. But um, let's, let's, start just quickly if you could if you could review what your story leading into real estate was because it was a real you know it was a real I'm just a blue collar guy who found out some way to get rich story sure be happy to I like like I was saying you know I, I grew up in rural Michigan little town of 800 people and I was born into a dairy farm family and uh we went and got out of the dairy business when I was in my late teens. I went to work as a plumber, and that's how I fed my family part-time because most of the time, because of the cold Michigan winters, I was laid off. I didn't have an income stream. And uh, with six kids to feed, it was kind of hard to make ends meet. And so I knew from my farming days that real estate was important. And I knew people that had rental property, and I thought that would be a perfect opportunity for me. My only problem was I didn't have any money to spare, and I had lousy credit. But I still wanted to get started. So I jumped right in with both feet. And uh, today, 30 years, 30-some years later, you know, I'm still doing it, and I love it. It's, it's a fabulous business. 
and I'm living proof you don't need money or credit mm-hmm. to be able to do this business. And I assume you're no longer you're no longer sweating water pipe. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. I now I now sweat watching the dolphins swim <laughs> by. That's a, yeah. That 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 is a sweaty experience. I I understand. It, 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 <laughs> um, it can be. That's right. So we, I, I want to make sure that I that I invite listeners to to give us a call because uh, you know I'm going to ask you what I want to know about what you're doing in the market right now with creative financing and what you're seeing in the market. But I also sure. want listeners to have the opportunity if they have a deal they've been working on or a situation that they saw or just have some general questions about how these things work uh, to give us a call at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. That's eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Listeners, you can also send your question by email, but what you have to do is you have to log into our website, which is realliferealestate.com, click the Ask a Question tab, fill in the little form there, and make sure you let us know where you're writing from. We'll be back with Larry Harbolt right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Larry Harbolt, uh, who is a a real estate investor from Clearwater, Florida, who has like years and years and years of experience doing all kinds of different stuff. But we're focusing today on creative seller financing. So financing where it's you and the seller making some deal about how the how the uh, purchase price of the property is going to be paid between the two of you. And uh, this is something that Larry has spent a long time um, studying and uh, doing and practicing and perfecting. And, and so that's sort of what I'm going to be focusing on asking him. If you have any questions, 877-772-9658 or realliferealestate.com to um, pick up your, or to, to, to send in a, an email. Uh, so Larry, what, let, let's talk about the current market because it's a little crazy. We went from okay. we went from cratered prices, you know, five years ago, and a lot of opportunities in bank-owned and properties and things that really weren't apt for creative finance. To now, a lot of people have recovered a lot of their equity. That you know, the market's moving pretty fast. Um, what are you seeing? What are you seeing right now? Well, in my market here in, in Florida, I'm, it, it's a fabulous market because I'm not looking at properties that everyone else is looking at. Uh, most of the people here that are looking in the multiple listing service, it just seems like there's a shortage of houses, but I don't market to those people. I have my own system I use, and it doesn't matter what the market is because when you're not dealing with the same properties everyone else is after, there's, it can be a tremendous market no matter where you live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen in terms of like seller motivation? Because uh, part of the, part of the, the, the secret of, um, of creative finance, right, when you're dealing directly with sellers, has to do with how how anxious is the seller to actually get rid of the property? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but in my experience, every seller's perfect solution is all cash full price. 
and and when you say something different than all cash full price, there's got to be something underlying their motivation that makes them go, okay, well that's also a good solution. So are are you finding that right now your sellers are are the same motivated, less motivated? What's going on? I they always want cash, but it's up to me to easily explain to them that they don't want all cash. Uh, many times, you see, I go after houses that are free and clear that they don't live in. That's my total marketing program. I send letters, or my wife sends letters, to these people that have a house they don't live in, and it's free and clear, no debt on it. So what I'm really looking for is income properties, rental properties, but you find a little bit of everything from the response. These people, 99% of them, do not have them listed with a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And they have held them. If they've held them for 30 years and paid for them, dealt with tenants and toilets, they they probably held it for some type of a retirement program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I negotiate with them because if they don't live in it, they're going to take a big tax hit in the year of the sale. And if they held it as a retirement program, uh, after they pay all the taxes, what are they going to do? Put the money in the bank at an eighth of a percent interest? That's not good. Uh, five-year CDs right now, according to USA Today, five-year are paying uh, 0.81% interest for five years, and we're in a two-plus percent <laughs> inflation market. That is not a good retirement. That money isn't going to last them long. I can give them a monthly payment like an annuity. You know, it comes in every month. That could be much, much better for them. Now, even though they're older in years, many times they want to leave something to their family, to their their kids, their grandkids. And so we can set up anything they want. But the key is ask what they want. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask what they want, they're going to tell you cash. Well, I don't think cash is a good idea when I can get terms. And if I can get terms as an income property, I don't care as much about the price as I do about the terms I can get on the loan. In Mm -hmm. other words, I'll give them whatever they're asking if they'll take a payment that will allow me to cash flow the properties every month. Mm -hmm. So that's very interesting. You're you're going after a, a very particular niche in the market which is people who probably owe little or nothing because they've been owners for a long time and you know many landlords put a lot of money down to start with or paid cash to start with or only got 15-year loans to start with so decent chance i would think that these folks are going to own their properties free and clear and then i market strictly to them people i get lists of names of people that do not live in the properties they own Mm -hmm. We send letters to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, uh, they bought these rentals uh, sort of as a, well, when I'm 70, I will be able to live off my cash flow on my free and clear property. And what they discover is that when they're 70, they really don't want to be dealing with the tenant drama anymore. So you're sort of of offering them like a, uh, I'm still going to give you the a monthly payment which is what you wanted but i'm going to deal with the drama right and i've figured out that if i can give them basically what they were currently netting on the property 
which is less than what they think they are, because they have they have costs that they never figure into the formula. But I'll still give them as long as I have, I can get enough rent. I can give them basically what they're netting from the property currently. So it's not a bad deal for them. They're making the same money, and they don't have to deal with tenants. Wow. And how how many prospects like this are you able to find in your area? Because this is a, like I said, this is a, it's a good niche, but it, it seems like it might be a slim one. No, the, the people that I get my list from tell me that there, about 20% of all the properties in this country are in some stage of the foreclosure process. But 30 to 40% of all the houses in this country are free and clear. It's a huge market. It's just nobody ever thinks about it. Mm-hmm. So I've got students nationwide that are doing very well sending letters to these people, wherever, wherever it is they live. Because these people, they still want to make money to live on for their retirement. So it doesn't matter where you are. This can be an opportune system. Once you know what to say and how to say it and how to put the deal together. Very, very interesting. Now, when you're when you're making these, if, it was, if we can dig in a little deeper, when you're making these offers to these to these sellers, where you're saying, uh, "I will give you a higher price, but I want to pay you over time in this way." What is the mechanism behind that? Are you using a mortgage? Are you using a contract for deed? What 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 is your favorite way of doing this? Well, it's basically a contract for deed, but, you know, we give them a note and a mortgage, and we pay them every month, and they're secure, and there's no funny stuff going on ever, because these people are depending on you to pay like you agree to pay, and I recommend that highly to everyone that ever does this. You've got to do what you say, but we use we use a note and a mortgage. Uh, depending on what state you're in, it's either a note and mortgage or a note and deed of trust, but... It's a necessary thing to give them the seller the security that the loan will be paid to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I can offer I can offer extra collateral if that makes the seller feel better than just the house I'm buying from them. Okay, explain if explain that. Have, yeah, go go for for folks who for folks who uh, may not have quite gotten what you just what you meant when you just said I can offer them extra collateral. Explain what that actually looks like in the real world. Okay, in real-world terms, we usually use the house that we're buying as what's known as the collateral or the security. In other words, if I don't pay, they get their house back. Now, many times to convince the seller that you will do as you say, you can use other properties as additional collateral if you have it, or you can offer um, stocks. If you have stocks, you can offer a boat, a motorhome, anything you own that they can take away from you if you don't pay. Uh, it, it makes them feel more secure. The more secure they are, the easier they are to deal with because they know that if you don't pay, they're going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. So at, at, by adding extra collateral, you're adding extra things that if you don't pay, they can take away from you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you find that your sellers like understand that and it makes them say yes when they otherwise would have said no? Well, they understand it because I explain it to them. <laughs> we do we do things that most people would never think of. Like, you know, we'll we'll agree to 
give the property back if we get three months in arrears instead of them having to foreclose on us. It's an excellent technique. Mm -hmm. Am I willing to do that? Absolutely. Why would I take advantage of people if I can't pay for it? I'm more than happy to give it back rather than have them go through a lengthy court battle and steal their rent and let their place get trashed. I don't believe in that. Uh-huh. That's not, uh, that's not good business. And believe me, word would get around, and you don't need that negative press. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Larry Harbolt, a creative finance expert with years and years of experience, many, many deals under his belt. If you have, If you have some question about creative finance that's been bothering you that, you know, it, you know how, how do you get people to do X or what would you do in this situation? This is the time to ask it. 877-772-9658. You can also um, send us an email by going to realliferealestate.com and then uh, filling out the form that says ask Vina a question will come in here by email but take advantage of this opportunity it is very very rare to meet somebody who is both as experienced as Larry and also is willing to just give you straight out honest answers on things with no BS so this is <laughs> this is your big chance we'll be back right after this Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Next time Mr. Drew hosts the show, you guys need to like call in and give him what for because he just called me. I've been doing this show from 5 to 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights for 15 years and he just tried to call me and ask me a question. And he's even hosted the show. What does he think I'm doing at 5.30 on a Wednesday night? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight is the number here at the studio to call if you have a question for the show for Larry, or you can send us an email by just going to realliferealestate.com and follow the directions there. Um, I have this uh, question here from David from California, Larry. He says, "I'm I'm wondering whether these conversations Larry is having with these sellers are happening face to face, over the phone, or in some other way." Well, in most cases, I need to have FaceTime with the people, but sometimes there are times when they live in other states. Then I try to do it by telephone, and then we, we send documents by overnight mail, because you've got to realize the people that I'm dealing with are more advanced in years. And when you sit at kitchen tables, you find out most of them, if they have a computer, the only thing they do with it is play solitaire and send... <laughs> emails back and forth to their grandkids. So being savvy uh, on Internet, and uh, I tell my students, you know, when you're young and you go to sit down and talk to a seller, leave the iPad and the laptop in the car because you're dealing with people that don't really understand and they don't know what you're up to. So, But I, I want to do it face-to-face because I need that FaceTime to ask them the pertinent questions. You know, the questions like, why are you selling? Where do you plan to go? What do you need the money for? Mm-hmm. Now, let me you know, let, let, let me follow up David's critical. question then with, with another one, and that is, do you have some way of screening? Because I know you, 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 like, you like to hang out and watch the dolphins. I know you're not running around looking at every single solitary house that somebody calls you about. Is there some way that you screen them before you decide to go sit at their kitchen table? 
Well, what we do is we talk, and we collect these letters, and you have to realize that it's not going to be, if you send out letters, let's work this way, if you send out letters 50 a week, you'll never be overwhelmed, because not everyone wants to sell right now. Now, I just had a phone call from a guy that I sent the letter to four years ago, and I asked him, well, why didn't you want to sell back then? He said, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I said, but you're ready now? And he said, yeah, I'm going to retire and now I want to sell. But what we do is we wait until we get three or four that we might be able to work with, and then we'll take a day. And my wife and I do go look at those houses. Mm-hmm. So we'll just take a day, have a nice breakfast, go meet the people, talk to them, start the conversation, get the information. Uh, you know, it's a good use of my time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot better than sit and watching, you know, some of these TV shows where all they do is argue. I would much rather go out and look at a house and try and put a deal together. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. what I live for. Mm-hmm. I love that. And okay, so there's a there's a generation gap in the real estate world between, and it's not even it's not necessarily even an age thing. It's more of a philosophical thing where people like you and I've heard I've heard Pete Fortunato say the same thing and I've heard Dyke Spotterford say the same thing that this is not a business of how fast how fast can I crunch through leads or how you know how how can I generate a thousand leads a week it's a business of sitting down and talking to people absolutely do you absolutely. think do you think that this generation that's all about the you know get online and get your responses online and then email them back and have autoresponders is missing out on something yeah I, most of my younger students you know they're in a hurry they think they have to be in a hurry they have to talk fast and that just shuts people down they don't want that my wife and i went to look at two houses here in central florida and the gentleman that owned them had lived there, and one of them, his daughter, lived in the other. They, he had moved back to Illinois. The daughter had moved to another place in central Florida. We went, and we talked about everything under the sun. I wanted those two houses, but I wanted him to know I'm a real person. I pay my bills. You know, you talk about your kids. You ask him about his family. We looked at his daughter's husband's business. We spent five hours before we ever mentioned the house. Hmm. Now, was that a waste of time? Oh, absolutely not. That was one nice paycheck. But he had to believe in me because I wanted him to carry the financing. So I paid him every month instead of having to go get institutional or you know, a financial friend to back me. Mm-hmm. It's important to let the people know who you are, what, that you're going to pay. And if you talk fast, you might as well get in the car and leave. Because mm-hmm. these, remember, are older people. Younger people, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I've got a couple students uh, from the Northeast. They automatically talk fast. <laughs> and I try to slow them down, so I I send them to one of my other mentors, Jimmy Napier. <laughs> Jim, Jimmy talks slow. Yeah. And Jimmy's a good example of how to talk to people. <laughs> I, he, he's helped me so much, you can't believe yeah, so um, the thing that I keep trying to impress upon folks lately about creative finance, because, you know, it, it, it's, 
creative finance is something that you can learn. You can learn it in a weekend, but then you spend your whole life finishing learning it, you know? <laughs> you spend your whole life like... Every, every person has a different reason why they're selling. It's just being personable and asking questions. Give the seller what they want. Mm-hmm. Not all of them want cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't want to pay the taxes all of all in one year, lose all that money. Right. They're willing to spread it out like an annuity. Right. But the uh, the thing that I keep trying to make folks understand who are newer investors is that a creative finance deal is not like a wholesale deal or a deal where you are getting a private lender or a bank involved because those are very short-term relationships between you and the seller. It's, you know, the relationship ends at the closing. They get their check, they go away, you go away with your deed. These are, we could still be we could still be corresponding 15 years from now, <laughs> right? So yeah. So I think what you say about, about, you know, let them get to know you some, get to know them some, is uh, that, that's, that's just advice that I hope, I hope everyone who's not driving in their car right now is writing down. And those who are, those who are driving in their car, write it down as soon as you get home. It's, it's creative finance deals are a relationship in a way that other types of deals are not. That's true. That is true. And, and here's the thing. If, if I'm buying an income property, and I said, you know, price isn't as important. If that property is free and clear, they have no debt on it, they don't live in it. And I said I could pay whatever they're asking. Uh, I, I usually, in my presentation, give out this ridiculous uh, example, and, and most people laugh when they hear it. But you've got a house, let's say, is worth $100,000. It rents for 1000 a month. I'll give you a million dollars for it <laughs> if you'll take $10 a month until paid. Yeah, $1 a year for a million years, yeah. Yeah, but see, I can cash flow that. Now, it's a ridiculous example, but it makes people stop to think. Price is less relevant if you're going to keep it forever and you're making a monthly cash flow out of it. See, I want to keep my properties for 20 generations. I, I'm not into turn around and sell them. I want that for my kids. I've got six kids. I've got 16 grandkids. So far, two great-grandkids. I've got to give them a future. And so mm-hmm. that's my plan. It's about the next generation. Okay, question from Todd. Everybody has this opportunity. Question from Todd in Columbus, Indiana. He says, Larry mentioned that he compares what people can get on CD rates to what he can give them, but he did not actually say what rate he offers to sellers on these deals. That's a good good question. I never mention the percentage. You see, when I'm talking about what the bank's paying, I will ask them, well, what is your bank paying? And most of them don't really know. But... When, you, when they're getting a quarter of a percent interest, we'll say. I may say, is there any reason you wouldn't take 16 times more interest than you're getting now? I never mentioned 4%. I'll say 16 times more. And subconsciously, they like that. Mm-hmm. So, and it is better. Also, they like it. And also, it is better <laughs> than, than you know the half a percent they're sure. getting right now. Uh, so you like you like something in the four percent range? Is that 
I can pay more, but I'm going to have to compensate in price or payment. Mm-hmm. In other words, I can't give them, I can't base my offers on an amortization schedule. In other words, when I'm doing it with people that don't own their house, I may say, well, okay, you want interest? I was willing to give you 6% 30 years, 600 a month for a $100,000 house. I may have to go to 4%, or I can go to 90000 for the house, or I can drop the payment down from 600 to 525 but I have to compensate. You can't. They can't get everything and you get nothing. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to cash flow so that the tenant can afford the property if it's a long-term keeper. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't afford to pay full price and market terms. What what makes the higher price attractive is the low is the better than market terms that you're getting. Correct. Okay. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I can give you your price if you give me my terms, or I can give you your terms if you give me my price. You can have one, but you can't have both, or I have no reason to do this deal. I've got a family to feed just like you. And it's it's a pretty simple thing to make them understand. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a couple of more questions that have come in via email, but uh, we do need to qu- take a quick break, and I also want to invite anybody else who has questions for real estate investor and and um, uh, instructor uh, Larry Harbolt about creative deals in particular, you can call us at 877 or you can go to our website, realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Larry Harbolt, who is also one of the 15 featured speakers at the OREA National Real Estate Strategies Summit coming up on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Write that down. I don't want to hear your excuses about how I'm getting married that weekend or my grandson's christening is then move it because you can't move. You can't move the summit, and it's the biggest, bestest event of the year, and uh, very inexpensive, and we'll talk about that more in the weeks to come, but uh, what a great chance to just come and network with people from all over the country, because I know Larry in particular, Larry, half the time when you're there, I see you in other people's sessions learning stuff and, <laughs> and networking with the other attendees. Not You're not just there to be up at the front of the room talking. Absolutely. You, you never quit learning. You know, you mentioned Pete Fortunato. He is one of the best note takers I've ever seen. And he sets in everybody's training and takes notes. And he's one of the smartest investors I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And that may be part of the reason <laughs> is that he takes he takes lots and lots of, of notes and is willing to ask anybody anything, which is a habit we should all cultivate. Well, you and I have been blessed to, to know him and be able to interact with him. Yes, yes. Okay, so we have a question here from Mark, who is from New York City. And Mark says, what is the key difference between this thing that Larry is doing and a subject to deal? Okay. What I'm doing is I'm going to people that have no debt. And I'm putting together, uh, I'm buying the property using a note and a mortgage, and I, instead of going to a bank and getting a loan, I'm paying the seller every month for 15, 20, or 30 years. So what I'm doing is 
I'm paying them and buying their equity in monthly installments. A subject two is when there is debt on the problem, on the property, excuse me, there's existing debt on the property, and you take the property subject to the existing financing, the existing debt. In other words, you take over the property, get the deed, and then there's an existing debt. Why would you want to go get new debt when there's debt in place? And the subject to, you just start making the payments in a loan that's still in the seller's name. And if you don't think sellers will do that, they will. When they're motivated and they can't afford their property and their their credit's being trashed, if they believe in you, they will let you take over paying their mortgage. Now, we never assume it. We leave it in their name. But we're not taking advantage of them. Actually, we're helping them because every month we make a payment on that property, and we do own it because we do get the deed to it. Mm-hmm. We are improving their credit. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference. Subject to is taking over a property with debt on it. What I market to are people that have no debt. We buy it and buy their equity in monthly installments over time. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Mark, in uh, the case of a property that already had debt on it, you would do a subject to. If it's free and clear, there was no debt to. There's no debt subject to which you can buy the property. So it's a, like out in the real world when you start making these offers, it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly which direction you're gonna go on that based on what the what the seller situation is um larry can That's you right. and I, I hate this because we're like we're we're five minutes from the end of the show already and there's so much more i want to ask you can you talk a little bit about um your 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 way of dividing single family homes you've got you've got categories in which you look at single family homes can you can you i think that's really interesting can you explain that to the audience real quick when I started, I was just out trying to buy any house just to make money. And that's that's not a good plan because, you know, it's like taking a vacation with no destination in mind. Yes, you want to make money, but you have to know what you're buying and why you're buying it. So I come up with this solution after a few years that every house that I've ever seen in my life fell into one of four categories, only four. Now, we're talking single-family houses. The first one is foreclosures, bank-owned, REOs, the ones that it takes cash to buy. That is one type of house. There's plenty of those out there today. The second type of house is houses you don't want. I've made a lot of money through the years with houses most people speed up when they drive past. They wouldn't want it because it's not a pretty house. Now, I never buy those houses, but I control them long enough to assign my contract to somebody that does want it and make a few dollars. Why drive past them? Why not make a few dollars with control instead of ownership? The third type, houses you can fix and sell retail. That's what most people do. That's what they want. They want the pretty houses. They want to fix them up, sell them retail, get the big checks. The fourth type of house is the long-term income properties. That's my favorite. So, any time that I look at a house, I immediately put it into one of those four categories because each one of those categories, the numbers are calculated differently. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a totally different way of figuring it up because, see, I don't use cash. I don't borrow money from a bank. I want to pay that seller, but I have to do my numbers in a different way 
because it's a different type of property. Because if one I can fix and sell retail, that's going to be a short-term deal. Mm-hmm. So my repair costs are going to be probably more, and I've got to structure how I can buy that house. Now, even without money, I can use a friend's money. I hate to do that, but I will do that. Or I'll get short-term seller financing, fix it up, sell it, with the seller knowing exactly what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Houses I don't want. For instance, a boarded-up house in a war zone. I've had those. I would never close on it, but I'll put them under contract, and I offer them to Section 8 landlords, people who work in those areas, people who are comfortable in those areas. They, they want houses there. That's what they do. So if I can make a good deal on a property, I will advertise that to Section 8 landlords in my area. Mm-hmm. They're my takers for that. And if they can give me a few thousand dollars for writing a piece of paper, I'm happy with that. Okay, so those those you wholesale. Although those Section Eight landlords listening are probably are probably going, well, why wouldn't I want that house? <laughs> Larry's not saying you wouldn't want it. <laughs> He's saying he right. doesn't want it, <laughs> which is a. Yeah, I've I've had my share of those, and, and but why wouldn't I want to make a couple thousand dollars for assigning my assignable purchase contract mm-hmm. to somebody that does want it and still give them a good deal? I mean, that just makes sense, mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm. Can you can you give our listeners a, just one tip that would help them get going doing this? Because man, creative finance it it's one of those things that anybody at any RIA group will say, "Oh yeah, I know I need to know more about that." Oh yeah, I know I need to do it. But there's always like ten percent of the folks who are actually doing it. So so how? How? What would you say to listeners who are kind of in that 90% about what they could do well, to actually go out there and start making some money? What I would recommend is get involved. Your level of income is going to be dictated by your level of specific knowledge. When, when At the OREA conference, come and see me. Come and listen to what I've got to say. I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. If You've got to start making money. You're going to create wealth, not by flipping houses. Flipping houses is like a job. You fix them a little bit or you get them under your control and you sell them. Spend the money, you go do it again. It's like a job. But you're going to create your wealth by buying income properties. Now, I know you may not want to be a landlord, hire management. But the thing is, plant seeds today because the tenants pay for those houses. They should never cost you anything. The tenants pay for them, and someday they're going to be paid off, and that's going to be how your wealth is created over time. But that's the easiest way. And besides that, in the interim, you should be getting a cash flow from each property. You get the tax benefits, depreciation, appreciation, loan pay down. There's many benefits to it, but that's how you're going to create your wealth. I went into that reluctantly, but I'm telling you, you just have to inject time into the formula. You can still do everything else, fix and sell for the big dollar. You can do a lot of things, but plant those seeds today. Get them planted, because planting a garden, I've never just walked out and eat an ear of sweet corn. I had to plant it, (laughs) cultivate it, water it, and grow the crop. And that's how you're going to create wealth in this business. 
just inject time into the formula and then continue doing whatever you're doing, but plant those seeds and get those income properties where the tenants are paying for them. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. And the earlier you start doing that, the more time you get to inject into that process. And if you start a lot later, you can never get that time back. So very, very wise advice from a wise man, Larry Harbolt. Thank you for joining us this evening. We appreciate your sharing your knowledge. My pleasure. And we look forward to seeing you in November here in Cincinnati at the OREA National New Strategy Summit. We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.